Welcome to Rome Christian Center. We are so glad that you are with us here today. If you are local to the Rome, New York area, we would like to invite you to join us 10 a.m. and again at 6 p.m. on Sundays. We are located at 7985 Turin Road in Rome, New York. Let's join the service as we believe God has something in store for you today. Franklin Delano Roosevelt was first elected president in 1932. Well, in 1931, the fall of 31, but he gave his inaugural address in January of 1932, and the country was going through a terrible depression. They're in the midst of a, of a real uh, economic downturn. And this is, one of the, this is what he said. Uh, he's trying to encourage the nation in the midst of their turmoil. And he said, this nation will endure as it has endured, will revive and will prosper. So first of all, let me assert my firm belief that the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. And I'm telling you, I'm not, I'm not, doing, I'm not canceling services because I'm afraid. I, I just feel like the Spirit of God said to honor uh, the, the mandate that's been put out. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to honor that, and we're not going to do it out of fear. We're going to do it out of respect for, uh, for what he's asking us to do. And, uh, you know, and the other thing, when I was praying, uh, I want to look at Psalm 110. This, this, isn't, um, this, is a, this isn't really the message today, but again, when I was praying, this psalm came to me, Psalm, one, psalm 110, a psalm of David. The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. In the Hebrew language, there's more than one word that has been translated into the English language as Lord. One of them is the sacred name of God, which we say is Jehovah or Yahweh. It was actually, it's Y-H-W-H, it's not pronounceable, but we stick vowels in there and we say Jehovah Yahweh. And in my Bible, whenever that, that, uh, word Lord is there, my Bible translates it as capital L, capital O, capital R, cap, all capitals. So you know it's Jehovah, it's Yahweh. The other word is Adonai. It means a sovereign or it means a master or a ruler. And that in my Bible is translated capital L, small or lowercase O-R-D. So it, not every Bible does that, but I really like my Bible because I know when the, when the word is talking about the creator God, the self-sufficient Jehovah Yahweh, the most high God, when he's talking about that, and we're talking about, and in that scripture that we just read, it said, the Lord said to my Lord, the first one is capital L, capital O, capital R, Yahweh said to Adonai, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Speaking to who? Who's at his right hand? Jesus, the Messiah. 
Messiah, the Christ. And, I, and, and then after I looked that up, it's like, okay, that's nice. But then the scripture came to me that's in, Isaiah, that's in Exodus chapter 15 and verse 26, where God said to his people, if you will give earnest heed to the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight and give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you which I have put on the Egyptians, for I, the Lord, am your healer. You know what I found out? I just never realized it until this week. It's Jehovah. He's our Yes, we know that Jesus is our healer in the New Testament. Yes, we know that he bore our sicknesses and he carried away his diseases. But in the Old Testament, God, Jehovah God, the self-sufficient one, the almighty God, the creator of the universe says, I, the Lord, God, am your healer. See, there is no disparity in the, in the Godhead. If Jesus is a healer, then the Father's a healer and the Holy Ghost is a healer because he's one in the same all over. But I, lo- I don't know why this has hit me. It just said something to my faith. It's like Jehovah God, I, the Lord, I, Jehovah, I, Yahweh, I am your healer. I'm your healer, God. And that's who he is to us, and that's who he is to, to me and to every one of us. And I just pray like when he said that we'll, have, we'll believe that and stand on it. And we're going to receive communion this morning because I, I didn't want to miss communion. If we're shut down, if we're not doing this for a couple of weeks, we'll miss the first Sunday. But I wanted to take communion with you one more time. I want to, I want to cover us with the blood of Jesus this morning and, and take communion together and say, God, we, we are covered by the blood. We, are, we believe that you have forgiven us, you have healed us, and your blood is all sufficient, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. And it also, in Psalm 103, bless the Lord, Jehovah, capital L, capital O, capital R. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. He's the one who forgives all my iniquities. He's the one who heals all my diseases. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Well, let me... Thank you. Father, we just bless you today. We continue to submit ourselves to you, Lord. I thank you that you watch over us, that you protect us, that you provide for us, that you heal us, that you are our God and you are all sufficient. We bless you, Lord. We love you. We serve you. We honor you. We live for you. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. I'm going to start this morning in Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 1. Verse 8, second half, the second half of verse 8. In all wisdom and insight, he made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his kind intention, which he purposed in him with a view to an administration suitable to the fullness of the times. That is what? What is the administration suitable to the fullness? The summing up of all things in Christ, things in the heavens and things on the earth. In him we have also obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose, according to his purpose, who works all things after the counsel of his will. The summing up of all things in Christ. 
Jesus, who works all things after the counsel of his will. I want to just speak for a little bit this morning about having a kingdom mindset. You know, it's, we have to, we have to understand that everything is about him. You know, I heard some, I go, my wife found something on Pastor Greg's Balin's uh, Facebook page, and it was kind of a, uh, a bit of a rebuke. You know, sometimes the prophets come with a tough message. If you read the Old Testament prophets, most of their message was uh, repent, come back to God, repent, come back to God. I mean, over and over again, repent, come back to God. God, because the people were wandering. They were wandering from God. They were walking away from God. And God wanted, and God didn't want to judge them. So he kept sending prophets saying, repent, repent. And basically the word that Pastor Greg had on his Facebook page was that the church needs to repent because we, he feels like we have, uh, to, to a large degree, we have tried to fit God into our lives and into our schedule and into our wants and into our, instead of surrendering ourselves and saying, God, how do we fit in your plan for me, your purpose for me? I fit into your plan. You don't have to fit into mine. I have to fit into your desires, not your into mine. And we've become this kind of a selfish, in some ways, a selfish people that we want God just to bless us, bless us, bless us, bless us, but we don't want it to be, we don't ever want it to be hard or difficult or inconvenient. And when it's inconvenient, you know, we, we back off. Well, it was snowing. I couldn't come to church. It was snowing. You went to work. You went to the doctor's office. I'm sorry. No, I'm not. God is God. And every, it's about him. Everything is about him. Church is about him. Our lives is about him. What's going on in the earth? He is working his plan and his purpose. I mean, it's going to be his way. And if you want to be happy, you need to just join, the, join in. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. talking about the resurrection. In verse 26, it says, The last enemy that will be abolished is death. For he has put all things in subjection under his feet. But when he says all things are put in subjection, it is evident that he is accepted who put all things in subjection to him. And when all things are subjected to him, Jesus, then the Son himself also will be subjected to the one who has subjected all things to him, the Father, so that God may be all in all. This is how it ends. This is how God being all in all. Everything's subject. It's like the Father, everything is going to be subjected to Jesus, and Jesus is going to take himself and everything that's been subjected to him, and he's going to subject it to God, that the Father, that God may be all in all. This is how it ends. It's about him. It's about his kingdom. It's about his ways. Always has been. What does it say in Psalm 24? You don't have to go there. It says, the earth is the Lord's. Come on, you know that scripture. And the fullness thereof. The world and those who dwell in it. It's God's. Colossians says, everything was made by him and for him. In Revelation, it says, 
that all things were made because of thy will. Because of thy will they are, the King James says are, another Bible, another translation says were, but because of your will they existed and were created. Because they're all gods, he has a, a right to use any part of it in any way he sees fit to accomplish his purpose and to advance his kingdom. If we're going to understand the Bible, we have to understand kingdom. If we're going to understand what it means to be a Christian, we're going to have to understand kingdom. What was John the Baptist's message? Repent. What? For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. What was Jesus' message? Repent. Why? For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. What did Jesus teach his disciples to pray in Matthew chapter 6? Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. Your kingdom. We're supposed to pray that till it comes. And we're still praying it because it hasn't come totally yet. But it's gonna. Hallelujah. It's coming. Hallelujah. Much of what Jesus taught, he taught about the kingdom. You know, he said the kingdom of heaven is like a seed which a man planted. It's like leaven that a woman put in three measures of flour. It's like a treasure that a man found in a field. It's like a merchant seeking fine pearls. It's like a net cast into the sea. It's like a landowner who hired workers. It's like ten virgins. It's, I mean, over and over and over again, he taught about the kingdom. And it's not the same as the kingdom of the world. In Matthew chapter 5, Six times in that chapter, Jesus said, you have heard that it was said, but I say unto you. What's he doing? He's teaching them about the kingdom. For example, in uh, verse 21, you have heard that the ancients were told, you shall not commit murder, and whoever commits murder will be liable to the court. But I say unto you, Everyone who's angry with his brother shall be guilty before the court. And whoever says to his brother, you good for nothing, will be guilty before the Supreme Court. And whoever says, you fool, shall be guilty enough to go into the fiery hell. What he's basically saying is, in this earthly kingdom, you're guilty of murder if you literally commit murder. But in my kingdom, you're guilty of murder if you hate somebody in your heart. And later on, he says the same thing about, he says, in, in this kingdom, in the earthly kingdom, you're guilty of adultery if you physically commit adultery, but in my kingdom, if you lust after a woman, you're guilty of adultery. His kingdom is not like this kingdom. It's different. And he's, what he's doing is he's teaching them how, how, he's teaching them to be kingdom people, to be, think like kingdom people, to act like kingdom people. Because one day we're going to spend eternity in the kingdom and you might as well start learning how to live there now. Praise the Lord. And then he said tough things. Like the greatest in my kingdom is what? It's the servant of all. In this kingdom, you're great if you have power, if you rule, if you're in authority. In my kingdom, the lower you go, the higher you are. Hallelujah. The way up is the way down. He's teaching them how to act, how to be kingdom people. Matthew chapter 
6 and verse 33, he said what? Seek first my kingdom. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things. He talks about the world is all upset about. What are they going to wear? What are they going to live? What are they going to eat? What are they gonna, you know, what movie can't I go to anymore? What famous restaurant? I can't go to my favorite restaurant anymore. What a bummer. But seek first, the Bible says. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and everything else will be added unto you. Don't worry about where you're going to live and how you're going to eat. I'll take care of you, God says. But here's kind of like the tough, the, the downside of it, if I can use that. In the kingdom, the king makes all the decisions. He decides what's right, and he decides what's wrong. He dictates the laws and directs the lives of all citizens. And that's the part that we struggle with. Because in this country, we're not used to kingdom. We don't, we're not ruled by a king. We decide who's going to govern us. We decide what the laws we're going to have. There's an independence about us in this nation, which is, which is a strength on one hand, but can become a weakness. Because it makes us... Uh, not submissive. I want to live my life. I want to do what I want to do. The king makes the decisions. He doesn't, we can't, we can't control our own. We have to give our lives to him and let him run it. What does it say in 1 Corinthians? Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is who's in you, whom you have from God, and that you're not your own. You've been bought with a price, the Bible says. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. I've been bought with a price. Somebody owns me and has every right to tell me how to live my life and what I can do or what I can't do or what I'm called to do. If I'm going to be a good citizen of the kingdom, I need to willingly submit to the king to lay down my life for him, to obey him in every situation. It's not hard for me to do because you learn after a while that he's the most loving, compassionate, kind, and generous king there is. I mean, you know, he just loves you. But he's not going to spoil you. What does it say in Romans chapter 9? If we confess Jesus, what? As Savior. No. If we confess Jesus as Lord. And unfortunately, in the New, in the New Testament, the Greek does not differentiate between what we call uh, Jehovah and Adonai. It uses the same word for both. So you have to kind of discern what it's talking about. But if we confess Jesus as Lord, as sovereign, as master over our lives, then we're truly his children. Turn with me just real quick to Romans chapter 9. 
It's a little, this is a little bit kind of a difficult passage of scripture, but it talks about the fact that God is sovereign and God has a right to do with my life, your life, whatever he pleases in order to accomplish his purposes. He, it's his right to do that. Talking about Jacob and Esau. But though the twins were not born, verse 11, and had not done anything good or bad, so that God's purpose according to his choice would stand, not because of work, but because of him who calls, it was said to, the, it was said to her, the older shall serve the younger. Just, that's just the way God decided to do it. So you know what? Submit. Whatever God wants to do, I had to. I had to learn this a long time ago. I want. I knew what. I knew what I wanted to do with my life. I wanted to fly airplanes. I didn't want to be a pastor. I never thought about being a pastor. I mean, I love it now because I understand I'm walking in God's call in my life. But in the natural, I didn't. I didn't want. I wanted to stay in the Air Force. I was having a good time. But God said, "You're done." So I said, "Okay." Naively. <laughs> Very naively. But don't you see, it's God. God has the right to do with any one of us what he pleases. Because he's God. We're just like pawns on a, on a chess table. He can move it any way he wants. And he can make one a pawn and one a queen. And one a king and one a knight. And one a bishop. And, but... He's God. We have to see the big picture. It's, it's not about us. It's about him. It's not about my life and my ministry, my comfort, my ease, my getting blessed. My, it's not about me. It's about me promoting him and his kingdom. And him using me in any way he pleases to accomplish his ends. It's about putting ourselves in his hands to be used for his purposes. You know, look what, what, what did God say to Paul, the Apostle Paul in Acts chapter 9? This is a good way to start off your relationship with God. In Acts chapter 9, Paul is blown off his horse by a flashing light. He goes into the city in Damascus. He fasts and prays for three days. And a man named Ananias comes. God sends a man named Ananias come, to come and pray for him and, uh, and lead him to the Lord and get him filled with the Holy Spirit. And this is what God says to, uh, to Ananias in verse 16. But the Lord said to him, go. Ananias was saying, I can't go. This guy's, <laughs> this guy's bad news. He's <laughs> if I walk into his presence, I'm a goner. And God says to him, go, for he's a chosen instrument of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles and the kings and the sons of Israel, for I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. God says to Paul, I'm going to do some mighty things through you, but it's not going to be easy. I'm going to use you in a great way, but you're going to be beaten, stoned, whipped, jailed, and every other thing. But basically, I guess Paul said like Isaiah, here I am, Lord, send me. 
If that's, the, if that's my lot, so be it. Because more than anything, I want to fulfill your will for my life, no matter what it costs. You know, I think of, in a negative sense, these Islamist terrorists that we read about that go blow themselves up someplace. I mean, it, you know, it's, it's for the cause. They don't, it, the guy who's probably married, probably has kids, he's got a wife, he's got kids, he's got, he's got uh, whatever, a home payment, a rent, or some kind of, he's, but he doesn't care. I mean, he puts all that aside in order to do, you know, to serve the cause, you might say. It's, that's the commitment that they make. And that's the commitment we need to make God. Not that we go around blowing ourselves up, but we need to be totally sold out to God. It's the only way. That's why Paul said in Philippians chapter 4 that I've learned to, you know, to abound. I've learned to abase. Whatever circumstances I'm in, that's, that's fine. I know I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Not always about being comfortable. Not always about being filled. Sometimes I'm hungry. Sometimes I'm cold. But if I'm serving God, then I'm fine. I think so many times a, a little bit of hardship comes to people in the body of Christ, and they, they just give up. You know, we need to we need to toughen up. You know, when the when the going gets tough, the toughy donuts. But when the, we, we do, we need to toughen up a little bit and say, you know what? Hey, the worst that can happen to me is I go to heaven. Hallelujah. The Apostle Paul said, I will gladly spend and be spent on your account, he said to the Corinthians. It's about giving our lives to him, serving him unconditionally. You know, years ago, my, uh, my dad's brother, my Uncle Gene, did some historical searching for our family roots, the Paquette family roots, and uh, came up with some interesting facts. Found out that the French were trying to establish a colony in the New World in the 16, early 1600s, way, about 100, way more than 100 years before our revolution. And they were struggling. They, they, you know, they couldn't, get, couldn't get it established. So later that century, around in the later 1600s, there was 700 to 900 women that came to what we know now as Canada. And... Uh, they came to be mail-order brides, to marry some of the, one of the soldiers that had been over there and uh, to start a family and to start a colony. They were called the King's Daughters. And uh, they didn't have to go. They were all volunteers. No one made them go. But once they're there, once they were there, there was, it was not about them or their hardship, and there was tremendous hardships. It was not about them. It was about establishing a colony for the glory of France and for the glory of King Louis XIV. And they endured that for him to establish a colony for France. And this colony would be a, a replica of France. They would, they would speak French. 
They would have French customs. They would dress like the French. They would eat French food. They would have the French religion. It was, it was, a, it was a, an other colony. It was a replica of France somewhere else. You know, that's what God wants for us. God wants a replica of, the, of heaven to be on earth. You know, same thoughts, the same actions, the same value systems. God wants to establish a colony. He, that, that, was, that was his initial plan, was to establish a, a heavenly colony on earth. You know, Miles Monroe talks about kingdom. He grew up in the Bahamas. And in the Bahamas, when he was a young boy, the Bahamas was a colony of, of, Brit, of, of Britain. It was a British colony. And so they spoke English, and, they, and he said, we drank tea, and they wanted us to wear uh, brown knee-high socks and short pants, and um, they wanted us to be British. And they, they did everything they could to make them British. To establish a colony. But he said, but in 1973, we got, Bahamas got their independence. He said, when we got our independence, we suddenly found out that we had to have our own protection. We had to make our own provision. We had to make our own laws. It's like all of a sudden we were responsible for doing all the things that, that, that the king was doing for us. And it's kind of like that on the earth. You know, God wanted to establish a, a heavenly colony on earth, but man rebelled against God. Thank you so much for being with us today. Our prayer is that your life be enriched through the power of God's Word and that you be filled with His love and strength as you daily serve Him. To learn more about our service times and our ministry and how it is that you can partner with us, visit us online today at romechristiancenter.com.